0: Shura, the music podcast. Alright, welcome to Say Shura. I'm Elaine, And I am Scoot Magoot. Scoot Magoot. Um, so, <laughs> we have a different sort of episode that we're bringing to the table today. Um, I had the idea a few weeks ago to, you know, I was talking to scott i'm like w- why don't we read a book about music because that's something i like to do a lot i i have a lot of books on music um because i am just a big geek and uh <laughs> and i mean that in the most positive way but uh mm. anyway we i i basically the first book i think it was the first book i texted you right it was like you were just like yeah let's do it um uh, yeah, because because it was, it was I, I,
1: and i just generally before we um before we dive into the book itself, I think generally this is something I'd like to do more often because yeah. I feel like um, there's just something about this that I felt it was just really cool to, to peel back the curtain. You know, I, I think that yeah, definitely, it was, it, was, it was fascinating to. There were so many questions I had never even thought about in terms of of this band and the way their music was made and i you know obviously i've assumed that applies to other music books that you know were answered for me that just things i never considered about how their music was made and just the people behind it 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 was really really fascinating so i i I, I I, really really loved the extra context and the extra dimensions this added to a band i already love
0: yeah i i so uh, I guess without further ado, this is yeah. um, the book's called uh, The Searing Light, The Sun and Everything Else. And it's a uh, it's called an oral history of uh, Joy Division. It's compiled by John Savage. Um, so basically, it I mean, it, it, it's basically a biography. I mean, it's it, you know, but it's it, I mean, it's more I guess it's more of like a memoir autobiography sort of thing. Uh, But It's a documentary
1: in book form, honestly. Yeah,
0: well, I I guess it's considered a companion piece to... Because I I think there was a Joy Division documentary not too long uh, Mm -hmm. before this book came out. I think there were two Joy Division documentaries, actually. Um, But I I, I actually meant to watch uh, one of them over the weekend, but I just didn't. Um, (laughs) I, I, I definitely didn't spend that time watching reruns of Danny Phantom... By, by any chance? <laughs> not, not at all. Oh, that's awesome. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's basically the structure of it is just going from Joy Division's earliest, you know, time, sort of talking about the, uh, the birth of Manchester as well, like the city, and then, uh, you know, gradually going, and then
1: it basically ends with Ian Curtis's death. Um, yeah, yeah, and honestly, I so, thought that was a really interesting and, and ultimately a crucial part that I'm glad that he included, and that you know, I, on Manchester, about, yeah, just about because yeah. at first when I was reading, I was like, oh, like is this going to be like not that I didn't want to get my money's worth, but I was like, is he really going to get this granular where it's going to be like just every little yeah. minute, minute detail? But I actually really appreciated that because obviously I've never been to England, I you know assumed based on. You know, just the different other documentaries on other topics I've seen, I could probably paint a picture of myself. But I thought it was helpful for him to paint kind of the bleak, uh, especially some of the earlier quotes about just how, you know, downtrodden. I think there was one really oh, yeah. quote about the fact that even police officers at the time would never walk alone through Manchester yeah. in, like, in certain I, segments. I, like, that was really my, cool.
0: My mind went to Bernard Sumner's. Um, I think his little, he was saying that, like, he just experienced so much death in his life up to, like, he was like 16 years old. It was just Mm -hmm. like obscene. It's just, yeah. But it, you know, it's what's interesting is that uh, the Smith's biography that I also have, uh, it's called A A Light That Never Goes Out Mm -hmm. um, also has like a few chapters dedicated just to Manchester as Mm -hmm. well uh, because it's just such a relevant topic in a way. Like, you know, it's I I mean, I I, I guess it's not um, unknown knowledge, sort of this idea that yeah, You know, kind of like the whole nature versus nurture debate that, like, your surroundings influence you to a certain
1: degree. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think there were some early quotes where they said, you know, they never intended to make a soundtrack for
0: Manchester. Manchester. They
1: just, it just kind of, you know, I mean, you're a product of your environment to some degree. And yeah. it just it kind of just absorbed, the you know, what they lived in, which I thought, I think it makes a lot of sense once you read these descriptions and listen to their music. So, yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool.
0: So, yeah, it's... Uh, it, I, like we said earlier, you know, it's compiled of basically just interviews with all of these, you know, all the people involved with Joy Division, you know, all the band members, um, uh, their manager, uh, Tony Wilson from, uh, Factory Records, uh, just a couple of fans. Like it, it, it's a big swath of people and it's sort of all organized chronologically, um, so, you know, personally, that part of it, I, I think, is, is kind of a double-edged sword. Just because, like, I, I, I like hearing it right from the person's mouth, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, it like, the way... You, you sort of had to get used to the way people spoke. And while a lot of people in this book are predominantly from Manchester, there's still a lot of, like, like sort of um, sentence structure... That is kind of awkward, and so, so it just like for me, like I, I'm used to like sort of getting into the groove of reading and just fl- like you know just driving that truck as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this felt like there were constant stops on the way and pauses, um, which is I a very minor note, and it's it's to be expected, you know, when you have uh, a book like this, it, yeah. it, it just it would just throw me off every so often. But uh, once I started getting really into it, like once. Um, you know what, what? Once they changed their name from Warsaw to Joy Division, I I, I was really really headstrong. Like or headstrong. I was I, I was headlong into it.
1: Yeah, um, for for sure. You know, I think uh, for me, I think m- my slant with that would be there were some um, interviewees that obviously. I mean, I thought all the band members had a lot to offer. Obviously, basically, the people. I think the further you got away from the core group of people involved with the band, I think that it started to get a little mixed. Like, some of the... Like, especially yeah. people who were who classified as, I think, witnesses w- 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 or yeah. whatever. Like, some of them had a lot to offer. Some of them had some really cool quotes. Other people, it just... they It was a little boring. They were more focused... Uh, they were more focused about their own particular spot in the story versus kind of how that... And obviously, it's not their fault. They just, you know, ask questions. This is where I was. Uh, like, I thought the little segment about... Um guy who designed, I think the early factory logo oh, or poster, B- Peterson like, yeah, that, that yeah. was an interesting excursion, but at the same time it was like, okay, but this isn't like, this isn't super relevant yeah. There moments like that. Like it was cool, but it was like, okay, but I, I mean, I, I'd rather learn more about the gig, you know, I'd rather hear more about that. But yeah, I actually, see,
0: I, I, I personally get like really turned on by like that, that type of stuff. Like I, I, I love okay. the whole musical community type of thing Mm -hmm. and uh, I I especially love graphic design for music and I mean we're we're talking about I mean in this book in particular we're talking about some of the most iconic you know album covers of all time sure so
1: yeah um, I mean I I think when it it was them talking to the band about the cover but specifically I I remember that moment stuck out to me where he went into great detail about like designing an early flyer for factory you know factory records I was like okay this is this feels a little long but I actually like I said I really enjoyed um, I mean, first of all, I just I love how British people speak. Like I, I love kind of the the slang and the uh, yeah like that. Okay, right. I could just I could, yeah, I could hear that. You know, whenever the, and I liked the slightly different voices and pers- perspectives. But specific, what I really liked is how well um, John Savage wove together quotes from people about kind of the same topic. I thought mm. he did a really good job with that. I thought that. He was able to either extract quotes or maybe, you know, I mean, he said he interviewed these people around the same time. I assume he interviewed them separately, but it felt like he he was able to get pretty hand in hand, you know, companion quotes about the same topic on a lot of a lot of aspects of the story you know, the narrative. he was Yeah, reading. and I really I, I, I liked mean, it, that. It,
0: it's I, I mean, to be fair, it's it's not like it's it's a. Um so it's not like it's like the Kennedy assassination where it's sure. like nobody's sure of like sure. What, what the true narrative yes. is. <laughs> no, for, for but, sure. Yeah, that's you fair. know, yeah. It, but but I, I I get you. Like it is. I, he definitely organized it very well. Like yeah, exactly. There there were certain parts where I was like, wait, should this be here? And then like I would read the section further, and it would like really click in like a really yes. nice way. Like exactly. he, had, he just a way of making these things dovetail
1: in ways you wouldn't expect. Um, and, you know, okay. I. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, in some ways, you know, part of me thought um, that this, I guess I took myself out and thought about what it would be like to put together a book like this. And I was like, well, I mean, it might be kind of easier than writing, you know, just if you wrote an autobiography. But ah, in, in some ways, yeah in, yeah, in some ways, I was like, well, maybe not because, yeah, technically he's not... Necessarily writing anything, quote unquote, but he still had to pour over. A, you he, know, he, hours he had upon a
0: little. I, I remember. I remember seeing one section that actually had his his him in it, like yes, him actually he, saying something. Yeah, like,
1: he quoted himself for some yeah. something or other. But yeah, he had to pour over hours upon hours of interview recording and their notes, and then he had to organize them and, and like that. That seems like an insane understanding. Yeah, oh my god! And I think you, he did a really great job.
0: Just. Transcribing a Mansonian accent like alone is <laughs> yes. is just yes. like, oh my god! That I like that that that's a Herculean task right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, l- 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 let's just get into some thoughts because I I, I took some notes, um, and I thought we would just kind of go through them, you know, go through each of ours, see
1: where it brings us. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I had um, I have three overarching takeaways that i was interested in i, I, don't, okay. I don't know if you want to maybe we could we could alternate it we could riff on it i don't know but the, I, like the, the, the I, f- I
0: i had like um uh, just sort of a couple of things that came out to me but then a couple of quotes as well but okay yeah you know.
1: so i think the first thing for me and again this, this kind of goes back to um what i said earlier about the, the questions i didn't even know to ask or the things that I never know that I, I would be interesting for me to learn or would add to it. Um, I, I was kind of, obviously they do, you know, they had their early years and they're doing their EPs and whatnot where they were still like a local band of whatnot. But I guess they yeah. never realized how much of an immediate success they were once they released unknown pleasures. Like it's, it's just yeah. not something I had ever read before. I mean, it wasn't something I sought out, but it, you know, based on the um, reviews that he put in and the comments from the bands and just, the, you know, they, they've, felt the fact that they were getting bigger. They felt the fact that people cared about their music more. Um, I don't know if why, but part of me thought to some degree they were a cult band all the way through. And obviously they still operated within a relatively niche genre. You know, they weren't they were really like a synth pop band or like, you know, top of the charts necessarily. But hmm. it was really interesting to read just how, like, they really took off. You know, they, they released yeah. both their albums back-to-back years they were, you know gearing up to do an american tour i mean it, it was really cool to see that they really people recognize this is something special right off the bat so that was that was the first I, thing i thought was really cool
0: i i actually so i don't know if you remember this but there's a um there's one of those witness uh quotes in it and he was talking about how uh he saw uh them playing on something else on tv mm-hmm. uh and in just in this random bar with all like these hooligans and these old men and stuff like that, and like nobody was like turned this racket off. Like they were all like transfixed by it. Yeah, which is just really cool. Like it's it's not it's not every day you come across something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, especially especially back then when like you know there there, there was kind of a line between like you know, being like a hoodlum kind of yes. <laughs> being like a, being a quote unquote proper member of society. Um, yeah. Also that, have you ever watched that something else um, video footage?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Uh, well, is it kind of the de facto music video for transmission? I, it's, it, I think it's just,
0: it's just them playing live.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, think, I think the music video that, you know, the official one they uploaded, it was that, Oh, I think okay. I, I, I think so. Sure. If but so, I, then I, I have, yeah.
0: I, yeah, because I was I was watching that the other day, and just like, holy shit! Like, yeah. I Stephen Morris, like, like I I I always loved Joy Division's drumming, like, but like, he really goes all out in like that live version of Transmission. Yeah, and it's just really cool. Um,
1: also, I mean, on that note, it was kind of that was one of my favorite passages. Them trying to fight a drummer. And how ultimately it yeah. boiled boil down to trying to find, find someone who didn't suck. And like, and I loved how they, they yeah. would, uh, they would kick people out of the band by saying they were too good for them. Like they yeah. just, like there was just that, that, like that British, British etiquette. <laughs> they were like, they, they didn't have the heart to like they're, kick someone
0: they're, out. They're just four nice boys from Manchester I know, and Salford.
1: And that, <laughs> that was, that was so, I love that. That was such a funny part.
0: Yeah. The, the, I mean, I, you know, the, there are a lot of really funny parts. Like, you know, it, you I, I think you know, and this is something i I'll, I'll talk about later too. but you know, I, I think history has sort of painted them with this brush of like, you know, doom, gloom, darkness. yeah, for when sure. i and, and that stuff's definitely there. Mm-hmm. but I, I there's also a lot of happiness, and there there's a lot of like really funny moments, just like the pranks that they would pull on each other and things like that. Mm-hmm. like just like I mean, that that, that that's kind of normal touring. Uh, procedure is like last night of the tour you, you, you prank each other. But um yeah. j- just some of the stuff that, that they would get up to is just really funny. Uh, yeah, it, absolutely or, or, actually sorry uh go ahead but I, I just want to talk about this one bit because oh, I no, just no, found no, it go so, ahead. Yeah. so funny. Um uh, is when they were talking about how they were when they were recording Unknown Pleasures, how they got that that like hi hat sound. Out of, uh, but by, by, by using aerosol spray. Oh yeah. But 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 it was Stephen Morris doing it, and it was it was it was bug spray. So they basically like almost killed him
1: Maybe they kept spraying and just like in a closed area. <laughs> that was really funny. I, I love all the passages where he was super annoyed, like when they had to um, uh, call him back at like two in the morning to re-record the, oh, the drums yeah. for. And he says every time he listens to Level Tears Apart, um, he just he gets super fucking annoyed because he <laughs> yeah. remembers how like they called him back.
0: Um, oh man! See that, like, that's probably my favorite part of of any music book is is hearing about the making of a piece of music.
1: Yeah, um, ex- exactly. And, and the so note much before, fun before you you mentioned that anecdote. Uh, I mean, again, it goes back to the central. That's why I led with that comment about you know the added context that these kind of books and, and media can provide is um, you just based on the music and I mean it's not. Unfounded. Their music is very dark, and it can be very, you know, oppressive. And in, in a lot of the feelings that Ian Curtis put in, and the way that the music backed it, but it, it is interesting to learn. I mean, they, they were people. You know, I, I mean, I think I knew that he was, Ian was married. He, had, he essentially was a family man to some degree. Obviously, it, it really spiraled. It really spiraled <laughs> yeah. out of control after a while. But I mean, a little bit. <laughs> but like by by all accounts, you know, at least when they first started, they were really, really normal dudes and they um and i guess if i could just add you know i guess part one one b or one a to what i was going to say about you know unknown pleasures is i I was really surprised that they didn't like unknown pleasures (laughs) like that was a really interesting revelation the fact that everything that the everything that they described what they didn't like about the record and what the, the producer um, yeah, but Martin, Martin,
0: Martin Hannett,
1: yeah, thank you. I always forgot his last name, but the, yeah. what he brought to the table I mean, everything that they were complaining about that's what I love about Unknown Pleasures. So, yeah. and it's funny how um, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know nowadays we don't talk about like going to the studio, having a, a producer as much as we do in the past. Maybe like once all the documentaries get made about this wave of albums, you know, us growing up with, we'll see how important. The producer role has continued to be, but I feel like that, you know, he's kind of the unsung hero. Is that I, th- oh, yeah, I, I, I wonder what Joy Division would have been or what Unknown Pleasures would have because none I, like the early Joy Division stuff that was more punky, you know, in their Warsaw days, it's not celebrated nearly as much as Unknown Pleasures. So, yeah, I think that he deserves an enormous amount of credit.
0: Yeah, it, it sort of reminded me of uh George Martin's role in the Beatles, kind yeah, of, yeah, absolutely, of, of just that, like, you know, uh. He, he, like, Martin Hannon's in a way, he's, he's kind of like the fifth member of Joy Division.
1: Yeah, for so. sure.
0: Uh, even though, like, it, it was interesting that, like, he just, he had such an
1: iron fist about it, apparently. Oh, yeah, he did not give a shit about their feelings yeah, at all, which is, is, is kind of crazy. Which so
0: strange, like, it's, yeah. it, it's I don't know, <laughs> because, like, it, it's, it's not like he's directing the, se- he wasn't really directing the sound, like, immediately in a sense like it was more like when it came to like post-production and things like that yeah that that was like it it was almost like he was like proofreading the album
1: yeah exactly.
0: in a way and he just managed to make it just you know and he did the same thing with closer too And both times all of the band members were like what the fuck
1: yeah but (laughs) i mean at the end of the day i you know we don't really have a basis of comparison what it would sound otherwise but i think he was right i think whatever he had in his, his head Ultimately produced I, some well fantastic I, albums. So.
0: I, I've read some, um, I've read some quotes later saying, uh, I think it was Peter Hook that was, was saying that, like you know, he's like, when I first heard Unknown Pleasures, I fucking hated it. Yeah. Like you know, but I realized, like that I was very wrong. You know, and it was one of the greatest lessons I learned, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Which, which is like pretty cool. Yeah, and it's um, funny.
1: He he had a quote where he said at the time like. You know, obviously, you know, the, the, the fans love it, public love it, critics love it. We were just, like, the dumb fucking musicians who made it, who, you know, we, we were we were wrong. We were out of our minds. Like, it was... it was. It was fun. They knew that... And you could tell they were... I mean, I think that they were trying to paint the narrative of what happened then. I think, obviously, since then, they, you know, at least have grown to appreciate it, if not, yeah. you know, fully, you know, fully remove that bitterness of what could have been. But, I mean, yeah, I, I totally get that. Is that based on... You know, if I didn't know what, what Jordan... You know, if I'd never listened to Unknown Pleasures or Closer, I definitely would have had envisioned a different band. Like, the sound, like if I listened to the album after reading the book, I think that what they described their early punk days as being... And I haven't listened to Warsaw for a little while, but I did have their CD at one point. I don't think I would have pictured the same band. So I can totally see, you know, the the vision and the sound that they had for themselves being totally changed. I mean, that that would definitely... <laughs> that would definitely throw Here's me for a
0: loop. Bits and pieces of it, like when uh, yeah, when Curtis gets really loud in uh, transmission. Yes, like that's fair. You know, they, that sort of reminds me of it a lot. I mean, I, I, I've I've said before, "Leaders of Men" is probably my favorite Joy Division song. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just that type of old stuff can be really, like, I, I it's definitely a little more balls but it's not like it's a, like, I, I I think it's another case of like us being at this point in time where like hardcore punk kind of came like after joy division yeah in a way because like you know their idea of punk was you know like iggy pop like cutting himself on stage and shit yeah which is cool which is you know pretty badass like in a way
1: uh yeah but and and they definitely came up in in kind of the the nexus point for a lot of different styles because i mean there are multiple points where people reference them as like metal and doomy and stuff like that. I think because to them, like, just how new it sounded and how impressive and just the atmosphere, I think I could totally see it sounding like an extension of kind of the darker notes they were hearing from the heavy metal scene. Um, Yeah,
0: which... Oh,
1: go ahead. Yeah. No, I I was basically just going to reiterate what I I said. Oh,
0: okay. Because I I was going to say, like, my my first point that I wrote down here is that um, there were a lot of references uh, sort of positing that Joy Division is an ambient band. Yes. in a way yeah which I I mean like the 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 structuralist music nerd in me is like no but uh but but I I, I really I, I see what they're talking about yeah like how there's like and you can feel it like down to the lyrics that mm-hmm. you know because it the, they're they're not trying to show something concretely I guess it, it's it's all very like touch and feel kind of like it's it's very, um, uh, I, I, I guess, kind of blurry in, in the way that they're presenting certain things. Like, you know, it, there were multiple instances of, of Ian Curtis saying that, like, his lyrics were more not really telling a specific story or making a specific point, but but more trying to surround one single feeling or moment, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, w- which I, I found really cool. Um, you know, the, the, like, that's something I wish I could do more with my writing. Uh, you know I, I i mean it's just actually to go on the note because my my second note is kind of um Ian Curtis's uh writer writing influences because the um near the end of the book uh i can't remember who it was but there was a woman who was who mentioned Ian Curtis as as using like inner space um which is a really interesting term because he was a big fan of JG Ballard who mm-hmm. coined the term inner space um you know, about like a decade prior, uh, you know, talking about, uh, the new wave or what we call now the new wave of science fiction, where like, Mm -hmm. instead of going out into space and, you know, finding all these aliens and shit, you know, Ballard did the exact opposite and turned inward into the human psyche Mm -hmm. and ended up making some stuff that's, you know, basically prophetic in a, in a, in a very real sense. If you, if you ever read it, Mm -hmm. um, and you can you can really feel a lot of that with Ian Curtis's lyrics yeah uh, I, even from an early on stage, like, like I've been listening to like leaders of men like all this week and just like it it's such an interesting
1: track lyrically mm-hmm. um, I me, mean, I, I think they all are in a way yeah um, but and I, I think kind of like a, a sub a subplot of, of this book is just how many interesting you know bands and and Films to a lesser degree, but certainly novelists and books that I, I kind of came mm-hmm. away with thinking I, mean, I have to check these. Obviously, a lot of them I, I heard of before or something. Yeah, I mean, Philip K. Dick, William Yeah, S. They've, they've, they've been on yeah. my shelf for what have you for a little while. They had collected at some point, but it just made
0: like those are like three of my favorite writers. So yeah, it's just but, it's just really interesting. Yeah,
1: um, it, it's cool that you know they were. Um, It it just it felt like he had his finger on the pulse of that kind of scene because obviously they were you know contemporaries of of Joy Division or at least you know much more contemporary than where we're standing now and I I think it it speaks to Worriso as a a lyricist and just as a person and kind of informing his personality that he really was a very well read you know introspective. yeah. Person,
0: I, yeah. do, and I actually so um, if you ever get the chance, there's I I, I, I keep dropping this book. It's called uh, "Rip It Up and Start Again" by Simon Reynolds. It's about post punk, and mm-hmm. I I don't think I don't really think they talk about Joy Division a whole a whole lot in it. Uh, strangely enough, but interesting. Um, I do remember how how much they were talking about Ballard and Philip K. Dick and Burroughs actually because uh, a lot of post punks were just like really into those books um which is just really interesting yeah um the, the, like i mean
1: it might just be because they're you know a lot like-minded folks you know like the same Yeah, but, 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 but bands, it's not even but.
0: like like they were like you know like, like you could just say oh manchester but like we're talking about like post-book from all over the place sure you know we're, we're, we're talking about like you know even people from um you know, like America, you know Perry Ubu from uh, Ohio. I, I don't okay. know necessarily they they read those books, but like, you know, there's it, it's just it's just interesting how much these writers had an effect on this generation, uh, and and how much we don't really think about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, oh, there's so this this is probably the biggest thing that actually I took away from this book is sort of. Um, it it, it it sort of a re-examination of ian curtis's role in joy division mm-hmm. uh because like i i think the way we look at it and the way history tends to look at it is that like ian was in charge you know and like he was the mastermind behind all of this when in reality it was it was much more of a democratic process with them yeah in that in even at the end like it wasn't like he was you know like it i they never came out to, it never felt like one of them was distinctly a leader in a sure. way um like i mean i i think ian curse was probably the most vocal about it if he wanted to be um but you know i i just found it to be uh an interesting look at it because i i think the way we look at it, because I, I, I think we tend to, like, sort of take his story and compare it to other similar stories, like, you know, like Hendrix, Jim Morrison, uh, Janice Joplin, Kirk Cobain, you know, all these people who were amazing musicians who died young. Uh, and all of what all of those people other people have in common is that they were, you know, basically the leaders of their bands, whereas, like, I don't think Ian Curtis w- was... To that point, I don't think he wanted to be that to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I think he had his his place in the band and he liked it.
1: Yeah, so. for, for sure. And I think, um, you, you know, I, I don't say this to disagree. I totally agree with what you're saying. I, I wonder if part of it is the facts. I, I mean, I think John Savage did a good job of picking quotes that were relevant from the interviews he did give when he was alive. Mm-hmm. But I think you know the fact that he, he just I mean just by virtue of what happened he didn't have a seat at the table. We heard from all the other members and very sparsely from him. Certainly, we didn't hear from him with the context of what happened to their career because obviously he wasn't you know alive to see see what happened. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, definitely. I think when you think Joy Division, certainly when you think about their lyrics, you think about the you know the, the, the oppressive um, emotion that is there in. in uh, certainly, in, in kind of a, a darker, more moodier, um, sad direction, and I think that is what a lot of people associate with their music. But it was fascinating how much of a democracy um, the whole process was. How everyone brought their own um, things to the table. Certainly, the fact you know the whole the whole synth drum, which at first I'll, I'll be honest, that confused me when yeah. uh, when when the, the Steve. I'm so bad with names. Steve Stephen Morris. Morris yeah, yeah, thank you. He. he um you know, when he was talking about them, I'm like, what the fuck's a synth drum? And then like, I realized he was talking about, um, like an, like an the, electro- electronic, electronic drum kit. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, that that's yeah. what I'm used to. And then certainly when, um, they were talking about how, you know, how synthesizers ultimately came to the band. and I, I how,
0: think, but, was that Summoner who was talking yes, about that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Plot? I'm pretty like, sure. How he
1: like built his own, which I thought was super cool. Yeah. Like obviously um, they all contributed quite a bit. And it's something that was really, really fascinating to me. Um, that it just was kind of like oh that's really really interesting is how peter hook one of the reason he prominently played higher up on the fretboard yeah because he was either one like i forget it was one of their earlier practice spaces or a venue they played at just he couldn't hear himself play so he just started playing higher up on the neck because he you know it was more you higher in the mix i thought that was fascinating that was really
0: i I thought that that was really cool and it it's really funny because like i've said before that i have trouble hearing bass and I've never had an issue hearing Joy Division's base. Yeah,
1: and, and you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's one of those <laughs> questions like, I just never even thought to ask, knowing I did, never wondered about, but now it's a really... Not like, you know, when I was listening to the albums this week, I was like, oh, okay, well, now it clicks. You know, now that makes sense. But yeah, I think that's a really, really good note from you that it, it's um, definitely a, a lot more came to the table than uh, than just Ian, Ian Curtis running everything. And yeah. I, I, I don't... I don't know if I ever explicitly thought that he, you know, wrote a lot of the, I don't know if they answered that. I don't think that they fully he's, he's described
0: a couple of songs. Like, yeah, know, there are a couple of songs where he plays guitar on it too,
1: but I don't um, think they ever like specifically in the book, not, not that they were setting out to do this, but I never got like a mental percentage of how much he contributed to, I mean, certainly lyrics were, I mean, they made it very yeah. clear. They didn't really care at all. Like it was, this was all up to Ian, what the, you know, content was about. Yeah, it's interesting. actually,
0: I have a really good quote from Sumner about that. Okay. Uh, it's got, for us, titles didn't have to be related to the song, really. It was more interesting if they weren't. The titles were just handles with which to pick the songs up, and we really didn't connect the titles to the lyrics. That's not what you're supposed to do, but that's just the way we wanted it to be. hmm <laughs> Which I, I really like that, just, like, that wording. The titles were just handles with which to pick the songs up. I love that. Uh, yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They, but it, like, when it comes to his role, like, it it definitely felt like it was pretty evenly divided into four. Like, it it, it like you know how sometimes, you know, like if you look at like uh, like a Mastodon personnel listing, you you'll see like that the entire band wrote it. But I, I think a lot of the time it's it's like, um, Brent Hines, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but. You know, I, I think that, like, when you see that it's, like, oh, written by Joy Division, like, I, I feel like that's probably closer to the truth than mm-hmm. it isn't. Uh, but you can't always say for some bands.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's, that's a great note. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I don't really have a good segue to the last two topics I want to talk about, so I guess I'll just. Uh, kinda... I,
0: I mean, are, is is one of them Ian Curtis' suicide, or? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, but yeah.
1: uh, I think. The,
0: l- the... L- l- let's save that for last.
1: Yeah, so uh... there, there are two. Well, you know, there's the, obviously you know spoiler alert. One of them is about you know my thoughts on how they talked about it and kind of the circumstances around his death. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought what was interesting was just how open. I felt like they were being really honest throughout. I I never got the sense that anyone was trying to make themselves seem better. I got the sense that everyone that they t- certainly the core members were just being very upfront, very open, mm-hmm. very because I I honestly you know and I guess we'll we'll get there. We talked about Ian Curtis's suicide. I I think some of the quotes left a lot of them not looking super flattering. Yeah, and I guess oh, we'll yeah get there. I I, I, I mean I, yeah they like you
0: know foreshadowing but i i i think death can sometimes be a big awakener yeah absolutely for people it's it's a it's a humbling moment and i, yeah. I think it was for them especially just you know it, it wasn't like there was like this ego uh you know in any of the members really it, it seemed like anyway you know it, it didn't feel like someone was being a diva like mm-hmm. they, they, they all were just really good friends you know after a while and so exactly. you know, just to have one of your best friends just take his own life, you know, it, it's just like horrifying to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I, I I guess we might as well just talk about it now.
1: Well, <laughs> if, I, I, had, yeah. I had one other, okay. you're kind of about the honest thing. Right. The other thing, and you know, I would say honest in a good way and in a bad way, the bad way, you know, we'll get to it about the suicide. In a good way, which I actually, I was a little pleasantly surprised they tackled it was, kind of the the nazi problem that's been kind of the 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 unspoken topic of joy because you know obviously that's something that they moved away from later in their career but earlier on as they talked about people just thought they were a a nazi far-right band you know and uh, it was actually interesting there was a comment about i forget who said it but um the way they dress it, it kind of yeah always seemed like a very simple almost like like you know like, they were trying to look like, you know, German teens or whatever. But it was yeah, funny like,
0: how... The... Like, kind of a uniform.
1: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And it, it was funny how um, they talked about how dressing like your prototype, you know, your typical punk was actually expensive. And they used to literally go to, like, discount army, sto- you know, like, army discount yeah. stores to buy, like... So, they, I, mean, he, I don't think he directly said it, but he said, like, they were kind of dressing like real punks because they, that's all they could afford. Whereas like when they tried to dress like you know, what everyone thought of as punks, they were like, Man, I can't afford to do this and it's kinda interesting that perspective. Um, But yeah, I I appreciated the 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 way in which they tackled and the fact they were willing to talk about the fact that, you know, they used some straight up Nazi imagery and and, you know, obviously they were called Warsaw and
0: Or just the fact that Joy Division like just the name comes from a
1: novel about Nazis. Yes. And I, I mean I, I believe them when they say it, it. Frankly, it was just something that they were interested in. They were morbidly curious about it, and they, yeah, it seemed I, punk I, and intense.
0: Well, I you know I I think some of it has to do with you know uh, kind of like the generational gap because yeah. like if you think about it, like they're like the first generation to not have lived through World War II.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was you. Uh, they were they were in their earlier twenties, and it was you yeah know, were thirty years removed. So yeah, yeah,
0: and, and I I think when you're not a witness to something like that i i like i feel like there's always this act of rebellion um that always kind of shows up you know in every yeah. generation you know talking about the events of the previous generation and I, I i don't i don't think that anybody uh in those circles you know like you know who who sort of took up some of this imagery like i they they mentioned very offhandedly uh susie sue from uh susie and the banshees who yep. she apparently wore like a Nazi armband on TV or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the, there are also other examples like um, uh, David Bowie's Thin White Duke, you know. Yeah. For example, like the, the, there are a ton of examples of it. But they, all I have to say is just like I, I think it was more of a not necessarily a fashion statement, but more like a rebellion statement. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, I, I don't think it was meant to say, "Oh, we, we support the Nazi party." It's more like. You know, this is this is imagery that can provoke people, and that's what we want to do.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that that's why I appreciate. You know, this came out in 2019. Obviously, you know, conversations about Nazis yeah kind of been brought to the forefront nowadays. So they could have. That's what really bugs
0: me about it, because like, you know, we it, it's just weird that like in today's day and age, you know, if you pull something like that, your life is basically ruined. But like for some reason these guys can just get away with it. Like I, I just the double standard I don't get. But well,
1: I mean, I, again, I, I think it's how it's you know like there are some yeah, but know, and I
0: I would argue that too. But you know try telling other people that today.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, like I guess you know just speaking for me, there are some you know, NSBM bands that are very much talking about the you know, white supremacy and the you know, Aryan race yeah. and all that bull- bullshit. But I, I I'm I, more talking
0: about like like sort of um like sort of how like Slayer you know use like their the the eagle logo comes from like the Nazi like eagle Yeah, but like they've sort of redid it in their own style like it's like I I, because I I I mean I I, I don't want to go on to this too much but I I just I firmly believe that the symbols that we use are always up for interpretation you know because like I mean just historically just look at the swastika which was once you know a symbol of enlightenment you know in India and it was just Turned like at an angle and became something entirely different.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I think so. that's kind of where you know, like I said, away that's where I'm coming from with yeah. this. Is I think given the current climate, I could have seen them. You know, I was curious if they were going to talk about it because, it, yeah, given, given how things are, are sitting nowadays, but the, they tackle it head on and were very honest. Like yeah, the, like the, you said, the, we just they we
0: they think, were just very they're very humble about it. Yeah, like, and they said sure.
1: you know yeah it was interesting they were like you know we, we never give it a second thought because obviously we knew we knew we weren't Nazis but then obviously once we realized that this was something that was you know affecting our careers and just in general with the way it was being interpreted they changed you know to obviously because Joy Division is a you know is a, a reference to that time yeah. but still I mean I, I thought I just I commended their honesty in that regard and I commended them just you know saying yeah this is a this is I felt like they gave a really true honest you know overarching portrait of the band like i i didn't leave this book thinking of like i didn't have any questions in my head like i wonder why they didn't cover at least none that come to mind now and i appreciate that they they were honest and open and talking about everything because again as we'll get to later i'm not sure if you have anything else i don't think it always was super flattering so
0: yeah no i'm totally with you because i I mean i have read a lot of you know musician memoirs and sometimes they're like Kind of self indulgent, like mm-hmm. I specifically remember, like you know, parts of like the Aerosmith like oral history. It I mean, I, I don't even know why I I, I read that thing twice in high school, if you can believe that. Um, interesting. And I it's funny because I've never been a big Aerosmith fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I don't know why I was into that, but uh, like that uh, Motley Crue's The Dirt. Like I, I was obsessed with Motley Crue in high school as well. <laughs> funny enough, interesting. Like I read. Uh, both Nikki Sixes and Tommy, uh, what, what's his name? Um, oh, God, I cannot remember his name. The, 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 the drummer, Tommy, from Motley Crue. Uh, like, I read both of their memoirs oh, as well as yeah. The Dirt. Uh,
1: Isn't <laughs> like, it just T- Tommy Jones? Or, or is
0: it... uh, Tommy Lee. I think Tom it's just Tommy Lee. Yeah, that's yeah. It. Yeah. um Yeah, so <laughs> just, but, like, a lot of those guys, like, had some ego to them and it was just like not fun to be around and to hear from them sometimes because they, they would it just yeah it just didn't look good but like i i feel like these guys like have gone like it, it feels like they've sort of been to hell and back in a way and I, I think in a sense they they really have like literally been to hell and back um You know, but but I'm talking about like in terms of success, like they went from being like the quote unquote most unpopular band in Manchester to like, you know, a a countrywide sensation, you know, back to nothing and then back to, you know, then into a new band that happened to explore other territory that they were only dreaming of, you know, Mm -hmm. and then to sort of, you know, come to this place now is like, you know, music legends in a way. Yeah.
1: And I guess on a similar note, before I turn the reins fully back over to yeah. you, I'm kind of glad that they didn't try to weave in. Obviously, they they made mention of you know you know, w- was there any doubt would we carry on like what we're gonna do next? But I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think they said the words "new order" in they in the book at all. Yeah. And I appreciated that they really did cut it off. You know, this is the end of this story. There's plenty to be read about new order, but I'm glad that they this was exclusively a book about Joy. To yeah. Me. See, so. they,
0: I that kind of rubbed me, rubbed me the wrong way because i think oh, like well like on, on one hand i i can respect that decision to really just keep it about joy division but just considering how how much the two are connected like the two bands it, it just seems not not dishonest but it just, just doesn't seem right to not include new order in some respect because like didn't they like regroup like literally like weeks after as new order
1: I I mean based on when Harmony Corruption and Lies came out I, that was I think it came out ve- like very early on yeah. in the eighties so like yeah. like it it just it, it it just seems like I I don't know like
0: I think personally I would have really liked to hear that story I'm always interested to see what happens with bands like um I know like I was reading a book on uh, Henry Cow and they briefly talk about sort of uh Henry Cow's like. Other projects that come in the future, like because like immediately after they split up, uh, like three of them formed a band called Art Bears, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so it, it like it, it was considered relevant because I think the material that they put out was meant for a Henry Cow record, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Interesting. Uh, so you know, it's like I I just feel like just historically the two are just you know it, it, like temporarily I guess that they're they're so close together that I I, I would have liked to hear more, but. I I do like how it's just like we're just talking about Joy Division at the same time.
1: Yeah, and as as we've talked about before, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think if Joy Division continued, they would have sounded exactly like New Order, but they definitely, they definitely were trending in that that general direction. So yeah, I think there is you know kind of an intrinsic musical link. it's certainly know personnel link between the bands but obviously so yeah yeah they all always will be you know they always will have a very direct history and connection there
0: yeah i mean i i think of it as like um almost like like drive like yahoo and like hot snakes or like you know minor threat and fugazi like yeah the, the 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 two are always inextricably linked together
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly
0: um, yeah okay. all right so i guess we'll talk about it
1: now? yeah i mean it's it's kind of like the the first time i don't know if this is a disrespectful comparison but it's like the first time i watched titanic is kind of <laughs> just wondering how they were going to introduce the the plot twist that everyone kind of saw coming a mile away yeah and yeah i mean they they definitely i did appreciate how they they eased into it i mean they definitely gave um an on or like like a really a rundown of uh, I felt like I got the story of, of his deterioration. I mean, I think it yeah. me, really started with his first epileptic you know fit as they called yeah. it. and then you know, obviously from there it just progressively it became very I, clear what, where it was going even even I, though I, like I, I found it amazing that, that he
0: just like let them sort of like make them sing still let, like it was just like, oh yeah, Ian's having a fit. Let, let's take him backstage and like jam a wallet in his mouth for an hour.
1: Yeah, like no, that, that it, was, it,
0: it wasn't like hey this guy needs like serious help and I I think part of that has to do with just like the medical time. science at the and time the, yeah the
1: understanding yeah but yeah. yeah I mean kind of to the point of some of these closed- quotes and, and I, I will give them credit I assume that they were trying to give an actor betrayal you know this yeah. is where our headspace and, was and, at and the
0: I, time I, I, I think that you know they, they deserve you know something for being this honest you know yeah. Be, because it, it's definitely hard to admit up to something like this
1: yeah, and certainly it's, you know... I mean, I'm thinking how how difficult it would be um, to try to have that conversation with some... Because, you know, a lot of the quotes toward the end, especially when they were talking about... Um, I think they all knew the band. I mean, even just reading this, like, as as a... Reading this, as you know, so many years down the line, it was clear that the band was either going to end with him killing himself, or they just, like, physically were not going to be able to tour anymore. I, I mean, yeah. you, you, you could not create... A worse scenario for an epileptic than kind of the situation they were in yeah. <laughs> at the time. Like it just—it's kind of crazy to think that they thought. I mean, again, it's you know where they were with um, you know with medicine at the time, obviously with the understanding of mental health at the time. But it was crazy the way they talked about, like the fact that this first suicide attempt—they they went on to perform their gig. Either it was either later that day or the day after they just yeah, you know, took over I, the hospital. I
0: think, they yeah, they, they they broke him out of the hospital
1: yeah just to and, play again. and I and then we said oh but they only did he only did two songs and they were a slower songs, so it was okay and it was like what? excuse yeah. me? like this dude just tried to kill himself like yeah wow it, it was
0: yeah it, it was pretty callous at times yeah um, so what really I mean this thing like the last 30 pages or so of, of this book is really tough to read at times
1: yes for sure uh,
0: just because of how in depth they went to it and but what i think what really bugs me about it is is how i, I don't know if you notice this that like everybody has their own theory
1: on why he did it which to me is i don't know if this is where you're going with this to me I, I think it's pretty i think it's pretty obvious and again i know i'm we're reading it with all the evidence now but like i don't know what theory there is to have i mean look at the lyrics he was writing look at his the you emeritus know, situation. I, I, look, been, look at look at every aspect of his life, and I just don't. I, I don't think it's
0: I, really. See, a, I, 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 I see where you're coming from. I, I guess the only part I don't agree with is the lyrics, because I, I feel like lyrics, like I think artistic forms can like. I art often expresses you know the unconscious a lot, but that doesn't mean it can only do that.
1: I, like, I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I, I just I feel like they. they I mean, if I could, if I can read it, um, charitably, I would say it's either na- naive naivete or just general um, like willful ignorance about the lyrics themselves. Because I mean, now the first yeah. time I listened to Isolation, I was like, man, this guy was extraordinarily depressed. I mean, some I mean, of the. I-
0: really, after reading the book and listening to Level Tears Apart, you know, that, that lyric, the, why is the bedroom so cold? I'm like, yeah. oh. Oh.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just, isolation sticks out to me because it's one of my favorite Joy Division songs, but just the, the lyrics it's, itself, it's like, I mean, I, and maybe they weren't listening or they were, you know, off somewhere I, in the studio, yeah. but it's like, these are pretty straightforward about... Well, just, I... I see, what, what
0: bothered me about everybody having a theory was just like it felt like they were turning his personal issues into their own. Yeah. Uh, in, not their own gain in a way, but just like, I mean, I, I guess everybody kind of needs, you know, some explanation for that type of thing. And I, yeah. I, I think just given how not open he was about his, you know, about his struggles, um, I, I think it's, I think it's just, kind of you know par for the course that something like this would happen that like they would have to theorize all these different ways i i just found it to be i I don't know it just it it just rubbed me the wrong way and I, i guess just because as someone who has been in that situation before it just it's like no matter how much you try to tell somebody what is going on inside you it won't work. Like it, it's just like, it, it, like other people just will not get it, no matter who you talk to. Yeah, and it's it's so it's just like, I I I, I just you know it's it's like no no shit he didn't tell anybody and like like you know no shit it came out in different ways you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, and I, I don't. I mean, hopefully, I'm not going on a tangent that misrepresents what you're saying. But I I, I feel like. It also felt dishonest to me the way they said like multiple people. Like at first, I was I was gonna you know pick out a specific quote, but I, multiple people insinuated that like oh like just wish there was something we could have done. I was like I mean I like I feel like there was a ton people could have. I mean just at the very I mean multiple points multiple people whether you know one person said it was he wanted to set up a, a bookshop. I think it was yeah, in Belgium or, or like, or like, like or start writing
0: yeah you know, like he either said he wanted to do a
1: bookshop somewhere in you know like in europe or or, or, or yeah or or it was you know you know upward in you know northern england or whatever like he told multiple people this is what i want to do and i totally understand you know again these are people who are in their early 20s they are really breaking out you know first u.s tour i understand why they wouldn't want to dissolve the band Yeah, i
0: mean they're they're also young people and therefore they're they're very stupid just like all young people Exactly, (laughs) including ourselves
1: don't want to you know too harsh necessarily but at the same time i think i think it was clear that the the band was going to end one way or another just because i I don't see how you think that you know taking obviously they would have had to have flown there they you know they would have had you know a completely different environment you know the intensity of their life just that was a powder keg waiting to happen yeah you know at least at least the silver lining as he you know passed away um you know, at home, you know, they were able to have this, the services they were able to have. I mean, it, I think he probably would have done it if they, if they had landed in the U S it would have happened. It would have happened at some point. I, so I, see, I, I, yeah, I, I
0: wonder, like, I, I feel like something would happen. Sure. But I don't know if it would exactly be that because like I, I don't know. It just, I, I get this feeling that like, even back then, like American media, like American mass media was just like complete cancer, mm-hmm. you know, and then that, not to say that British mass media was any better, but like it felt like there was a little more like elbow room a little more privacy almost mm-hmm. whereas like I, I feel like if they just showed up in america like if, if they managed to make it like really big on like you know one of the talk shows i going on at the time like that that's like you know you you're you're having you're going to have to hire security to like guard your hotel room which is like yeah. did not seem like the vibe that they were going at at the time even mm-hmm. though they were like an extremely popular band, just given sort of their circumstances as an independent act.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah but, I, it, and I totally agree that it, it was, you know, regardless of, you know, not not trying to shame anyone or put any blame on, you know, it, it, this is obviously yeah. was an incredibly tough situation for everyone involved, and I do I agree that some of the, you know, you could definitely interpret you know, them trying to find a theory or them trying to answer is because I mean, this like that, was, as, the, the, that's just grief, you know, like that. Yeah. you you're trying to,
0: you know, posit the reasons you're trying to put things together that don't may not make, make sense to you.
1: Yeah. And I feel like they all, you know, whether they think it or they believe it or whatever, I think they all, you know, wonder what, you know, what could we have done differently? What, what yeah. actions, what actions could we have done to prevent this from, from happening and it, it kind of is a you're know, just a, again just a powder keg of um, of events that, that led to what ultimately happened um, I will say in this part and I kind of I understand why this probably was the case but I felt like we didn't get as much about the I mean I hesitate to call it a love triangle because I'm I'm not trying to trip I'm not oh, trying to but, tri- yeah I'm not trying to trivialize it but I'm just you know that 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 dynamic
0: yeah but, um, but between Anna uh, Debbie Ian and uh, what was her name Annick?
1: yeah and yeah. I, I think part of it I mean you could tell in some of uh, there was especially that one quote where, where his his wife was like you know like a you know a failing marriage wasn't like she, it, it, you could kind of feel the uh, anger the aggression and obviously yeah. He, in that oh. answer? Yeah. Yeah, no, what were you going to say?
0: I, I was just going to say, because I noticed this a lot, even before we sort of got to Ian Curtis's, like, deterioration mentally, uh, just Debbie Curtis seemed to really have her own way of, of, like, how events happened, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, she seemed, like, I I mean, if you notice, like, specifically, like, John Savage noted which sections were actually taken from Debbie Curtis's memoir. Yeah. Um, it, and like you can kind of you can kind of tell regardless yeah it it, it it seems a little like you, you 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 have your version of history and everybody else has theirs yeah um, exactly it, it, it just seemed kind of bitter and like i i, I guess i i i don't want to seem callous because you know i i think to be in that position is is terrible you know to be i think mean, first of all in like a broken marriage but second of all, to be in a broken marriage with somebody who ends up taking their own life, you
1: know? Yeah, no, It's, and, and, it's and, just, yeah. Yeah, I assume he didn't, I mean, just based on the fact that she really was not in the book that much in comparison, and I think it's just because, really, she was a bystander for a lot of this, and I, that's probably where yeah. her bitterness came in, is the fact well. that, you know, she was at home, you know, keeping the family together, Ian was off doing, you know, doing his own thing, getting to live the, the rock star dream, obviously.
0: If, I mean, if we... You, we if you remember that the, there's this specific passage that they were talking about when they were recording closer that, like how they described that as kind of like a boys club. Yeah. And the, and that like the, the one time they invited all their girlfriends over, it, it was like a total disaster. <laughs>
1: yeah. And how multiple moments, you know, the task was to keep, you know, Annika away from Deb, although it was yeah. interesting to learn. I mean, it was kind of an offhand comment that they didn't actually have, you know, it was an emotional affair and an, like an intellectual affair, not, you know, the kind of what people would assume which yeah. I thought was an interesting note. Um, and obviously, I think that speaks more to the fact that um, it very much was the traditional, you know, I think some people said the traditional English way. You know, you get married young, you have a child. Like, I think that Ian kind of went through the motions. And a lot of times they characterized him as, as a people pleaser. You know, he kind of did what he was supposed to do as a nice young English lad. But obviously, the way that his life progressed and his interests progressed, and the fact that he was able to be in a, a popular rock band. You know he did not want the life that he signed up for because yeah. that's what he was supposed to be and obviously that's gonna create conflict um, but yeah I just i I thought that was interesting i I on the one hand I was like man I feel like I didn't get maybe that was the one thing I felt was missing it was just I wish I had more of her perspective, but I think based on what I read, you know what you made the great point of what John took from her memoir and what um, he got from her interviews I assume those interviews didn't go especially well, I assume yeah. they were very cold and very, you know, very, terse. Yeah. So I, I,
0: I think, you know, because I, have thought about reading touching from a distance, which is Debbie's, um, memoir. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't know, like, I always have, um, a little bit of umbrage with, you know, memoirs that are written by family members because like it, it's never, it, it's either extremely flattering or it's just appalling. Yeah, depending depending on which, <laughs> like, you know, how they have yeah, their it, relationship it, with that
1: person, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and it just, it never feels like it's, it's as accurate a portrayal as sure. it, it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to say, because I, I think there are some that are kind of helpful. Like, I know, I think Jim Croce's wife wrote uh, a memoir on him. It was either her or their son, uh, which I, I feel like that, because I, I know that he actually collaborated with her on an album. So like, I, I, I felt like maybe there would be some, something there, but yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, it, it, it's just something I, I try to keep away from. So.
1: Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, um, other than other, that.
0: Yeah. Were you, other than you that. Have... it Well, Oh, so it, actually, yeah, I, um, I have one last quote okay. that yep. I want to read. Um, just because I, I found this really interesting, especially how close it was to the end. Uh, Joy Division's music is very uplifting. It's got nothing to do with sitting in a bedsit, being depressed, chewing your fingernails, and wondering if you're gonna throw yourself out the window. It's about transforming normal lives into something magical and life-affirming. The cliche of Joy Division has been very dark and depressing. For me, that was not the case at all. They were joy bringers, and I felt charged as a result of that concert. These things are not understood or recognized in our culture, and it's important to acknowledge where we find them in our own lives. Uh I, I just found that really interesting because I, I just as someone who's like I, I've never really seen Joy Division be like as dark of a band as people have portrayed them often. Uh I, I just think it's cool to see um other people sort of with different takes on this music.
1: So Yeah, no, and it was, you know, obviously people with a, a direct vantage point providing, you know providing a really intriguing view at again, you know, I know I've said it fifteen thousand times throughout this this episode, but I really appreciated the questions, you know, being answered. I didn't know that I wanted to ask. I appreciated mm. the, the perspective of this. I thought the way that, um, you know, John John Savage compiled all these interviews, the way that they flowed, really beautifully. Um, I will say that, well, and this is, I mean, because we're winding down, it's a little nitpicky. Yeah, I will say that, um, I, while well, I like the typography, I, I am, I, I think. He probably could have picked a better front image and specifically <laughs> yeah specifically i was a little i also i mean i don't know if i am very fond of the kind of holographic tint as well but specifically it, it,
0: it reminds me of, of getting a charizard yes uh, exactly know, in, in the foil
1: pack. yes i'm glad you picked up where i was i was going with that but yeah um, like they had that whole segment about that famous photo on the bridge and yeah, I just, I feel like that would have been a more apt cover image. Cause I mean, the, you can barely even see, you know, yeah. the only, you can see Ian's face front on, then everyone else's face is obscured. You it, know, it would be really
0: cool to have like that be the entire cover. Like, like they, they Photoshop it like and expand it. Yeah. So it's just all white. Exactly. That, yeah. That that would be really cool. I just, um, you know,
1: I wasn't I mean, if, if I had one major criticism, it's just that you know, when I first looked up the book, when you recommended it, I was like, Oh, I don't really, I don't really care for that. Cover. Yeah. And I definitely thought as much as they, time as they spoke with a lot of the, you know, different photographers that work with them, I felt like the, the use of, I really liked the inclusion of like different posters and whatnot, but I, I felt like he could have included more, maybe it was just, you know, different licensing rights or whatever, but I assume based on how open people were for interviews, they would provide more photos. Yeah. I, I would have liked a little bit, like, I feel like a lot of the photos were clumped together it would have been nice if they were spread out a little oh, bit I, more.
0: I, I, I would have liked to see, like... Because I, I don't think they even showed that bridge picture. Yeah, well, like that really... Surprised, it, like, I, I actually
1: stopped and turned ahead because I was like, I, where's where's this photo? And then just I, never, well, I, <laughs> I
0: ended up looking it up just, just yeah. while they were talking about because I'm like, I, I've never seen this thing before. And I'm like, you know... it. Yeah, I would see that and just... Um, the way this... I don't know, maybe it's just my copy, but... Man, this thing is just kind of cheaply made. Um kind of cheaply put together. I felt like it was almost falling apart on me when I was oh, reading really? it, but um well, like, I c- could you hear that?
1: Oh yeah, I could. Yeah, like
0: like just just like it's it always sounds like it's cracking on me and stuff like that. and am just like, ooh, did, like Did you
1: get the hardcover or soft cover?
0: I got the hardcover. Yeah, I did yeah.
1: too. Yeah, um, cuz
0: it was it was the only one that they had um on bull at time. Uh,
1: my my copy's not that bad, but I can uh I yeah. Again,
0: I, I, I think it's more my copy. Like, my copy has, like, this weird, like, mark that I think is from the sticker that was on um, it. Oh, mine does too, yeah. Okay, I think that, that All definitely
1: right. has to be what it is. Yeah, because yeah. I was looking
0: that. at that, I'm like, I paid 30 bucks for what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which uh, I, I'm sorry, the, the, that's, that's me being a cheap bastard, but,
1: <laughs> yeah, no. you know.
0: Uh, the, like again, those are very nitpicky things because I I've really enjoyed this. I, I love yeah. reading books on music, and it was even better to be able to share that experience with you.
1: So, yeah, no, I I thought this was a fantastic idea. I'm really, really. I mean, I I was, um, I read through this book really quickly just because it was so yeah so but, fascinating.
0: I, how long did it take you? By by chance?
1: Gosh, only I mean less than a week. I would say. You, maybe four or five days I'm trying to think back uh, last week was kind of a whirlwind but I was yeah. gonna kind of put aside uh, I mean it was really easy once I started just to, to I, I tried to segment it out um, you know once you got your copy I started reading it I wanted to read it at the same pace I tried to make sure I read a, a uh, you know kind of the uh, a, a portion that would allow me to finish it in time and that really didn't even end up being an issue you know like yeah. a, daily, a daily portion I just kind of blew through those and and yeah. really found myself enjoying because um, it means very you know, I've never really read a, a, a book; it really did feel like a documentary in in book form. You know, I don't I don't really read a ton of nonfiction, so I, I thought this was just really, really. I don't know. It was really, really cool. I thought it was a great idea, and, yeah. and again, it, it, was it was interesting to fun. be able to because obviously we've talked about Joy Division multiple times. You know, on this this podcast, you know, just in real life and whatnot. So I was it was it was an interesting dynamic to be able to basically have like a mini book club about a band that we you know we share affinity for and yeah you know we've we've spent a lot of time talking about beforehand so
0: yeah and i you know i consider myself a joy division fan before this but i i just feel like even more of well i not that i feel even more of one i just i i admire the band even more after reading this so yeah uh and just the music i mean because at the end of the day the music's just fucking great so
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and i feel um, like again like you said i appreciate even more now knowing what i know about um you know some people say you don't want to know how the how the sausage is made you know but i i disagree <laughs> I, I actually really appreciate knowing you know how this came to be and the influences and, and yeah I I,
0: I I think it, it sort of depends for me frankly b- yeah yeah like, yeah. L- 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 like I, I like hearing band stories but like if somebody was like oh hey do you want to tour underneath Disney world? I'd be like, no, like <laughs> I, I, I prefer above ground Disney worlds. Like yeah. I, I, I want to believe in that illusion. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, sometimes it, it's too, like you, you watch a documentary, or you learn about something and you're like, Ooh, I actually kind of wish I didn't know yeah. that. But this was a case where I'm actually, I came out of it really positive And even with all the, the flaws of every character, again, just appreciate the honesty and, and you know, John Savage, his ability to get that information out of people and put it in a way that really told a great narrative about yeah, it, um,
0: and just you know, I but one thing that I I didn't mention either is just John Savage didn't self insert really in this thing like oh no, yeah I remember th- there being one passage and like that being it because like there are time there are biographies I've read where people just like make them make the entire thing about them like I read this Marvin Gaye biography. And the guy just made it entirely about him, like about himself, be, because he was one of the co-writers of sexual healing. And he just let, like, it, oh, it, it was one of the worst
1: biographies I've ever read, stinks. Uh, really, I, I think you've told me also. about before. That really stinks. But yeah, yeah I mean, really you're totally, work. totally right that he didn't, I mean, I don't, yeah, he, I mean, obviously, you know, you read his, um, you know, his, his little insert on the back, you're yeah. very, very qualified to put together this book certainly you know with his you know how much he has followed the the english music scene specifically this you know this subset and so i it, it felt like a truly just someone who's followed the scene was really interested in it just you know, collected he just this was a passion project he really wanted to collect and let everyone else do the talking and i think that the, the book was better for it
0: yeah, definitely all right well um Let's talk about albums of the week because we're a little bit over as as we're wont to do as of late. Um, Scoots, you got an album of the week for me?
1: I do. Yeah, I actually uh, I bought this and another album. It's uh, uh, really appreciate the the Bandcamp Fridays that they've been running where they you know it's they've gotten a cadence for now once a month they're going to cut their share of the profits and labels and bands can you know can keep it which is really cool. Um, yeah, and uh, I think I've talked about Taylor Ashton before. Uh, he's an indie folk artist. Lauren and I really like. He did a collaboration um, with a, you know one of his, his friends, and there was a specific label that was selling my actual album of the week, so I was able to buy both and, and support the label, support the artist. I was really thought that was cool. But the album I was specifically interested in was uh, called No Summer by Cinderwell. Uh, I reviewed this for. The blog it kind of came out of kind of came out of nowhere. Um, uh, my friend Eden recommended it, and she is a transplant from uh, I think California. She moved to she now lives in Ireland. And an expatriate, I mean, or did, did
0: you see transplant?
1: Trans yeah, I, I just I p yeah. I didn't I I I didn't mean that to be like an accurate of like I, I don't know why she moved. I think she just Oh yeah, no, I, I
0: I just I was just like my inner English are just like that wording's wrong.
1: <laughs> She's often, she she moved from yeah. California to um <laughs> to to Ireland and the music she creates is this really haunting but beautiful um it really blends, like, Appalachian folk with, like, Celtic folk. And it's, it's a really beautiful and seamless blend between the two styles. A lot of the narratives uh, you really transport to, uh, like, there's one line where uh, it says that the, uh, I think the town is bordered by, like, you kind of, like, the, the, the corners of the town are the bar, the cemetery, and the church and just like that line alone like it gives you a vivid picture of like Mm. this very small like kind of frozen in time Irish town and just other lyrics about you know it just if it's they're kind of sad but also I feel like she delivers it in a way where she's just kind of telling a story she's just being honest it's just a very honest recount of her experiences and you know overarching narratives there's one song that's about um, kind of the empty abandoned uh, insane asylum for a mental institute for for women that you know sits in the town she lives now and it's just the music and the way that it it blends with these narratives it's just really really cool and i it was kind of a surprise drop in our inbox and really glad i, I checked it out and i was really glad i was able to buy uh, a copy you know for Bandcamp friday and it's, it's a really really nice nice pressing nice insert uh i haven't bought vinyl for a while but they were relatively well priced, and I personally I love how folk sounds on on vinyl. I think for me, folk and jazz are my two favorite genres to own on vinyl because it just no, that, that crack. What about me. ambient music? I feel like ambient music on vinyl would be like fucking great. Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, a lot of ambient albums are really long, so they're often oh, really right, expensive. Right. Like I think I wanted to buy. There was a copy of Stars of the Lid. You know the. Uh, oh, uh, in called? the refinement of their decline. It's it's the yellow. Is that what the yellow ones call it? I think it's, like yeah. it's the sad songs of of of. The, 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 the,
0: there are a couple of them. Yeah. Like,
1: whatever their big album was, I it, it, think yeah. it's like a at least a triple LP, maybe a quadruple LP, and it's super expensive. But I had the same thought you would, just like that kind of warm, crackling um, presentation. I think would be really interesting, but just not going to spend thirty bucks. On yeah. On really any piece of music, unless it's like a super rare box set. I might I might Wait. up my price there, but.
0: I get you. I get you. Yeah. That, that that's actually pretty much the story for for my album of the week. Okay. Uh, today, be, well, kind of because um, so I too bought this on Bandcamp. Uh, but I did not know what what is that Fridays? You said that they're doing that. Oh,
1: uh, they, they do it one Friday uh, a, month. a month. I think they published a, a post where it has, um, has a, But yeah, I think it. it, it I, don't, I don't think it's like the same Friday every month. But yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean either way I, I bought this thing today i i didn't i mean i i knew that bandcamp was was doing this what with covid and everything but i just didn't know they were still doing it i guess mm-hmm. uh anyway um because i so i i recently got done with uh like that just huge pile of cds that i put on my desk and so um i really wanted to listen to you know some stuff that i have my like to listen list and this album was um one of them uh, is an ambient album called uh, "Stasis Sounds for Long Distance Space Travel," and the uh, artist. It's a collaboration between. Uh, so one's called Thirty Six, and the other one is uh, Zake. At least that that's how it's pronounced. That, that that that's how it's spelled on uh, Apple Apple Music, but they also have it. Uh, they have the I think the original Japanese kanji uh, for it. So um, sorry if I butchered that, um, but anyway this is like an hour and a half of like very droning ambient mm-hmm. uh, and it is pretty much what the title says mm-hmm. I mean it's it like you you're you're getting what you're you're getting what you what you want it, like what it, it it's it's not misleading it very much sounds like uh it, it, it kind of sounds like Kind of like how I wanted the movie Interstellar to sound like, instead of Hans Zimmer like falling asleep on his organ for the fucking movie. But um,
1: zing, zing, o- unexpected burn. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. I I actually I that, that joke is actually from the Honest Trailers uh, thing for um, oh that's funny. for Interstellar yeah, like he, I love yeah they're that like channel. just like wait right, this, this soundtrack featuring Hans Zimmer falling asleep on his organ. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a beautiful beautiful piece of work i uh i think by like the second track of it uh i was looking on discogs for it and they had like them at like 30 bucks because the, there's like a limited edition of like 300 mm-hmm. and i ended up going over to Bandcamp, and they had them for like half the price oh nice <laughs> and, and you can buy directly from the art, so i'm just like yeah i'm, I'm gonna do that like and I, i'm not i really shouldn't have bought new music frankly but uh because i don't really have the money for it but Um, I I really wanted to get this because I've been really wanting to buy more ambient music because this was just such a such an amazing listen. Um, Like I I had um, I had Gruber's uh, AIA series on last night too and it's just like there's something about ambient music that it's just so like untouchable almost. Mm -hmm. Like it it, it feels like it's able to like surround you in like penetrate you in the most subtle of ways uh, and I just like I, I'm just enthralled by it, frankly so um, yeah, so again, it's called uh, Stasis Sounds for Long Distance Space Travel the, uh, the album art is really cool, it just totally speaks to what the album's going for um, yeah
1: <laughs> nice, yeah, actually it's funny because as soon as you said that I was like this, this sounds familiar and I, I this has been on my radar for a little while. I think just based on, um, you know, just just what the album, you know, very very obviously probably sounded like based on the title yeah. and the cover. It just seemed like something I really enjoy. So now I, I'm definitely going to give it a listen. Based on your definitely give it a listen.
0: It, yeah. it, it's a, it's a long listen, but it's it, it really it's so good. Like I, I was just like, you know, applying for jobs and shit while, while listening to it, and it was just like very touching and just like i i i am a sci-fi nerd just all the way uh so i like to be able to hear that kind of sound it's just so cool for me yeah uh it's it's like something i've always wanted like it reminds me a little bit of um like the first like 3 minutes of uh Tangerine Dreams Rubicon of just like it has this atmosphere to it that it's just so unlike anything else and it's just like you, you just kind of have to
1: sit there for a moment and just take it in and i love that so, yeah, I will I will definitely bookmark this because that um yeah, that it, definitely it, it you you pushed me over the edge an album I wanted to check out anyway. Yeah,
0: so. I mean like mind you, it's it's not like it's like again, what what you see is what you get. Like it's it's not going to be like this groundbreaking ambient listen. Like, you know, it's very like, you know, I I I think there might have been some like reed instruments or something like that. And no, no, I'm I'm thinking trumpet. It must have been some brass, I think. But for the most part, it's just, like, you know, really, like, smooth synths and things like that. And, like, like a lot of, like, low-pass filter shit. And, like, it was just, like... But but I I don't mean that to uh, degrade the album in any way. It's, it's just, like, it, if that's the stuff you're into, so... Awesome. Yeah. Alright. Well, we've been going way over, so uh, this is
1: goodbye for this week. <laughs> Alright, and thanks. You know, this is... Uh, you know, I think we should revisit doing this in the definitely another book that you know we think is worth talking about so we hope you enjoyed it because i i certainly enjoyed it quite a bit yeah
0: yeah all right well thanks for listening
1: all right bye, bye. thanks
0: for listening guys and uh If you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, We're on all of it. Uh, If you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you.
1: And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, Be sure to email us. Yeah. uh, We're at at Podcast on
0: Twitter. And our email, I think, is Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.